everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Pro Series Podcast. This is episode 72, and my guest today is Christina Lamonaco. She is an interior designer who is based out of New York City, who has recently moved to London. We talked to her about her experience, why the move, and what the future holds for her company. But before we get into the episode, please make sure you like, subscribe, and review this podcast on wherever you listen to this podcast. And now I hope you enjoy episode 72 with Christina Lamonaco. Thank you, Christina, for jumping on the Pro Series pod today. I'm excited to talk to you. I know you're in London. Yes, hi. Yes, I'm excited to talk to you because you are having this um, really cool transition with your company and you have a very interesting background. Um, and I kind of just want to get into it. And um, you're in London now, but you you started, was it in New York that you started to be yeah. a designer? Started in New York. Um five years ago now, it'll be five years next month, which is going to be a huge anniversary. And I think I always said, you know, I'd love to have a business in London as well one day. Um, I don't think five years ago, I thought it was necessarily possible, but here I am five years later, kickstarted the the business um, in November of uh, this last year. So yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, but yeah, started five years ago in New York City, um, kind of came about, um, I was working, I kind of have a weird career path. I didn't always start off in interior design, um, but I I started, I started in like PR, marketing, event world. Okay. Um, I studied architecture and interior design in college, not even interior design, art and architectural history, you know, but interior design is incorporated in that. Um, and I never thought I would go to architecture school or, you know, a, a, a specific interior design school. I just enjoyed it and I enjoyed art. Um, so when I was looking for a full-time job after college, I ended up in PR. Didn't study public re relations, but I ended up in PR. Um, and I, I, I believe that, um, I believe you kind of walk through doors as they open for you. And that's kind of what I did. I never, I, I graduated from university and I never said, okay, I'm going to be in PR or I'm going to be in event marketing, or this is what I really enjoy. I kind of just said, okay, these are the things that I'm passionate about. These are the things that excite me. These are the people that I know. Let me kind of leverage and use my network to see where I land. And after college, I uh, took a position, gosh, I mean, I can get into this story if you want. It's I started out as a sales associate at the J. Crew okay. in Rockefeller Center. And from that point, I ended up taking a job at their corporate office as their receptionist, um, which was so much fun because I got to know everybody in the company. And at this point, I was, what, like 23 or 24 years old. Um, and from there, I kind of grew up and grew within the company. Um, and I ended up being the CEO's executive assistant. And I sort of was there to kind of see different parts and different facets of the company, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I realized sort of where I wanted to be positioned within that company, it ended up being more in like the marketing PR side, you know, moving, grooving, networking, that kind of thing. Um, and then I was recruited by, um, at the time, the recruitment agency that we had used for J. Crew um, was sort of like a headhunter that we used to hire some of the people within the company. So I had reached out and he had a position opening for me over at Food Network. So I took that position over at Food Network as a junior publicist, not really knowing much about the PR world outside of what I heard and saw within the executive office of the CEO of J. Crew. And um, 
I realized quickly that it was just a little bit too niche in like food. And at the time we were working very closely with the South Beach Food and Wine Festival and New York Food and Wine Festival. And the, um, and I was recruited to then work for them. Um, and they, their number one sponsor was American Express. I got very close with the people at American Express. And then I was offered a job to produce their food and wine events at Amex, which then led into another job and led into another job. So it kind of goes back to what I was originally saying in that um, kind of walk through the doors that open for you and see where you land. Um, from that point, I took this job producing these food and wine events, but then they led into fashion events and then they led into like home design events. And so I was traveling all over the world with Amex and staying at these five-star hotels. My job was uh, for their black card members. So I, you know, was taking these 10 black card members. They would sign up for these experiences, once in a lifetime experiences that we would curate. And I would be putting them up at five-star hotels and, you know, flying them first class. And, you know, it was everything from dinners with private chefs to private fashion shows with, um, you know, fashion designers. So it was an incredible experience at the time. And I think now looking into what I do on a day-to-day -day basis today, it lends itself very well to what I do because I feel like I say that interior design is 5% design, 95% dealing with people, oh, you know, and a huge hospitality aspect to it. Um, because we're, we're logistics people at the end of the day. We're, we're designers, but it's 95% logistics and 95% managing the client to make sure that they are completely happy. So I worked for American Express for five years, producing all of their, you know, high net worth events for these high, high net worth clients. So I really was thrown into a world of luxury that um, I now look back at and say, now I have the clients and they're my clients and they're essentially these black card members that I work with. So I, I understand what they're looking for. I understand the level of, um, I understand the level of, uh, what is the word that I'm trying to say? level of luxury, level of hospitality, level of perfectionism, I guess, mm -hmm. um, that they require when they pay for something very expensive. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience. And I learned so much, um, not just in terms of design, but in terms of hospitality, in terms of being proactive in every level. And I think I, I use a lot of those skills now for my job. Um, so from that point, I then was recruited to work for Condé Nast. And I worked for Condé Nast and Architectural Digest. Oh, wow. And I was producing all of their events. So for Condé Nast Traveler, again, I was traveling the world, um, seeing places, but then with like sort of a different lens because I wasn't producing the events for their card members. I was producing events for their um, advertisers. So it was a hotel group that we needed to produce an event at or a champagne company that we needed to incorporate the champagne or whatever it may be. So I was then working for our advertisers, which were high-end luxury hotels. Um, think of who would advertise in a Condé Nast Traveler magazine. So I was then getting to see the world again through this lens of interior design, luxury, um, and it opened my eyes to, oh my gosh, this is the world I want to be in. I don't know if I want to produce events anymore. I really want to design the spaces that I'm traveling to on a weekly, monthly basis. Yeah, it's it's so funny, like, as you say this, how, I mean, I'm it's about 
well, I'll, while we're recording this, I'm at like episode 68. I've recorded maybe wow. 70, almost 80 episodes. Um, so some haven't released, but one thing is in common with everybody um, because we're creative minded people, we're so open minded people as well. And yeah. you just kind of follow the path on where you're supposed to go. Um, and I, that's all I'm hearing from you right now. And that's awesome. Yeah. You, I mean, it was really crazy. And I have to say, you know, some people really seek out their jobs, right? And they get the job and they're unhappy with it because they forced like a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. I do feel like I just said, okay, this is an opportunity that kind of sounds cool. I feel like I would fit into this role. Let's see how it goes. If I hate it, I can find something else. But I do believe that everything that I've done thus far has kind of been interesting because in my professional life I'm so good at just like letting go and letting things happen and where I'm supposed to land I land hence the reason I you know left New York and moved to London I was just like yeah it's gonna work out we'll figure it out when I get here um with one client but yeah I I think it's so important if I were to say to interior designers or anyone trying to get in the business like you really just need a whole lot of passion and hustle, hustle, drive, passion. And I truly believe that you will end up in a good place. Like I've never really worried about money and where my next paycheck was gonna come from. I just knew that if I worked hard enough, I would figure it out and the money would come. Yeah. If you're happy with your day-to-day -day and you're happy and passionate about what you do, I guess, I mean, maybe it's different for other people, but for me, I've just been able to monetize what I love. Yeah, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to do that. But yeah, I've um, yeah, and just like I said, follow, you know, walk through the doors that open. Yeah. So in your, I'm going to talk about. So you you started in New York, and now you're yeah. in London. What was harder, starting from scratch and creating the business in New York, or bringing over an existing business to a completely different country, city, everything? Which one was harder? So I th if I go back and look at the most exhilarating and exciting time of this five years of my business, it was the first six months. And I say that because I didn't know where my paycheck was coming from. Mm. I quit my job. Um, I didn't have a client necessarily lined up that was going to be paying me the salary that I was making prior to leaving my last job. Um, but there was something so exhilarating about not knowing what was next and kind of like putting my hands up and saying, okay, we got this, it's gonna happen. Let me just connect with these people that these, this beautiful group of people that I've you know, culminated over the last 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And surely there will be connections within that. So I, I reached out to a few people that I knew. And from that point, I, it was connected to this person and connected to that person. And before I knew it, I had my first client. And within the first year of business, I had 12 clients. So, and I know that sounds insane to say, like within minutes, I had 12 clients. Yeah. But it just sort of happened that way. And I think that it's because that first six months was so much fun for me. I was entertaining this one, going out to dinner. I was having lunches. I was meeting new people who I hadn't met before. I was talking about my history and my past. And it was so exciting to kind of see what the last 10, 15 years of my career could lead to. Yeah. So now that I'm in London, I wouldn't necessarily harder or easier. I feel so exhilarated right now. 
I'm so excited for what the future will hold because I'm reminded of what that feeling was back in 2018 when I first started and I didn't have my first paycheck coming in. You know, I had savings in the bank to, you know, keep me, hold me over for a little bit. Um, but there's something about that drive that you need to tap into and the hustle that you need to tap into that, you know, over the five years, there's certainly been hustle and drive, obviously. And there's been a ton of creativity and meeting new people. Um, but I missed that like marketing PR aspect because it has been so easy over the last 10 years to get, or five years to get clients, you know? So now I'm here in a new city and I don't have the Rolodex of people that I had in New York. Yeah. And, um, but already like in my first two months here, I've met so many incredible people and things, the pieces of the puzzle seem to already be coming together. So, um, we already have our first project in Holland park, which came out of nowhere. Um, I have friends of friends that are connecting with other people in the real estate industry. It's sort of snowballing. And like I said earlier, when you know you're meant to do something and you have passion for it, it's just, it leads you. It really leads you in a very bizarre way, but it does. Absolutely. That's so cool. So when you, why was London the spot to move to? Was that a previous destination you had with one of your previous jobs? No, not at oh. all. I, I've always had an affinity for London. Um, I traveled to London for my first, first time back in 2014, I want to say, okay. and it was a last minute trip. And there was something about the city and the um, pomp and circumstance of the city, the sophistication, the chivalry. I, there was just something about it where I said, oh my gosh, my design and my style. And at that point, when I first came to London, I wasn't even, I didn't even have my design firm. I was working for Condé Nast Traveler Magazine. It was a work trip. And um, I was connected. You know, when you go to a place and you don't even need to use a Google map to find your way around? Yeah. I felt that way here. I felt like I didn't need to look at a map. I just sort of knew where I what it was a bizarre feeling being here um and I fell in love with the city from day one and I just said at some point in my life I must live there and when I started this business and, and I was able to kind of have uh, more flexibility and I didn't have to tell a boss you know I'd like to travel or I'd like to take two weeks off or whatever it may be and I realized well now I'm kind of in a position where I can split time between New York and London if I wanted to or start the business in London and somehow figure out a way to maintain business in both cities. Um, now's the time. So back in May, um, one of my dear friends moved here and she's very connected in the interior design industry, but from a PR perspective. So she is a writer um, and works with a ton of interior designers, a ton of like uh, fabric companies and um, uh fabric companies, furniture makers. And so she's like, why don't you come over, see kind of how it is? And I'm like, you know what? I feel like now's the time. I said it when I first started the business that I want to be a global company at some point. What's stopping me? You know, um, outside of my family, I, I'm very, very close with my family and they're all based in New York City. And that was the one, number one thing. Like, I'm definitely going to miss them. Oh, yeah. But I've already seen them. They were here for two weeks over the holidays. I'm going back next month. And I did say prior to starting the business here that I want to somehow 
create a flow where I'm back and forth every six weeks or so. So we have clients in New York. Um, so I'm going back in six weeks for a photo shoot, for an installation, to see friends and family. And I, I do feel like at some point, though, I want to kind of get into a balance where I'm there for two weeks, then six weeks, then two weeks. Then six. I'm going to try to make it work. We'll see. But yeah. going back to, the, you know, just fall into the flow, I want to fall into the flow and see if I can make it happen. Okay. So what's the dream? Like what's the future hold within the company? Like what is, what do you see, where do you see yourself in your company for in five years? Um, definitely trying to get back into the hospitality aspect, okay. um, not working for a hotel, um, not working for a restaurant, but designing one. I think because I have um, so many years of experience working in the hospitality industry from an event marketing PR perspective it will translate really well because I've seen what I love. I, I've seen what hotels, you know, the high-end hotels from the, you know, the smaller boutique hotels. And I do believe that I could do something incredible with some sort of small boutique hotel somewhere around the world. So yeah. I think that's where I see my next step. And, you know, there's something so different about designing for a specific person's home versus designing for multiple people. And I think that's really what I want to do next is instead of designing for someone specifically one or two people or family to enjoy, I want thousands, if not millions of people to enjoy. And I think that's how you kind of get the scale is working on a hotel or restaurant. You know, I walk into a restaurant and when I walk in, I'm looking at the light fixtures, I'm looking at the floor, I'm looking at the finishes on their countertops, I'm looking at the, um, the utensils, the cutler. And, there's so much to look at in a restaurant that I am enamored with. And the curation of pieces is so different from curating pieces for someone's home. Mm. And yeah, I really just, my next, my next phase is really creating a space for multiple people to enjoy. Yeah. And it allows you to, it's a whole nother side of design. Cause you're not, when you're doing residential, you're pigeonholed to the client's design taste which is totally fine but like when you go into the commercial and res like the um, even retail world you're you're designing for the mass um you're kind of showing off you're allowed to be a little bit more bold um which is sounds amazing um and i can't wait to see what you could do for that so are you open to go really anywhere in the world to do that I think so. I think what London has really opened up for me as well is, you know, your two hour train ride from Paris, your three hours to Italy, you know, I could be on a plane to Dubai in five hours. So it just feels like things, the world is so much more accessible from London. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know you can get anywhere from the United States as well, but I felt like, okay, three hours, you'd be in Florida from New York. You know, there's not many places that you can go within the United States that give you such a completely new set of cultures mm -hmm. in the United States as you are here. You know, two hours from here, they're speaking a completely different language. There's different architecture in the buildings. And it seems like a completely vast different world, you know? Um, so I think that's what I'm really enjoying right now is the fact that I could be, you know, in a completely different culture in three hours. Oh, absolutely. So, so um, now that you are in London, you, you were talking that you had clients in New York. Are they still active job sites like going on? Yes, they oh. are. Um, so we had, I, I 
I transitioned it, you know, so before I left, I wanted to make sure that our large scale renovations were wrapped up. Um, we have one renovation that wasn't wrapped up in time, but I have an incredible team that's on the ground in New York that's sort of managing it with me overseeing it. So I'm overseeing it from afar right now via FaceTime. Um, but our other two clients that we have in New York right now are just soft furnishings. So okay. we installed phase one of their furniture prior to me leaving. And then we're installing phase two when I go back in a few weeks. So I'm sort of managing my trips as in coordination with my clients deliveries, essentially. Um, so I think what I will do, I mean, the goal, I think, in the next year is hiring someone, another me in New York to really oversee. Because, like I said, I'm taking calls at 11 o'clock at night um, because there isn't another me to manage at that level and make decisions quickly um, without them saying, oh, I need to get in touch with Christina. Let me see what she thinks about this. I need someone on the ground that can make those decisions without me. Absolutely. So yeah. I yeah. So if I continue the renovations in New York, I'm definitely going to be hiring someone a little bit more senior. Yeah, absolutely. Which I, haven't had, I haven't had that before. And um, it should be interesting to see because I haven't given up the reins of design. Like I can give up the reins of project management, um, but I haven't given up the reins of design and to have somebody kind of like take what I think I would love is to have some like bundle it up in a package, hand it over to them and say, okay, there you go. It's all, it's all here. Execute. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Cause your name's still on the company. So it's, it's hard to give that part up because that's, I mean, in a visual field that we're in, you know, project management. Yeah. That's, that's the business within the company, but the actual look of it is what is your name. That's, what people are seeing your identity it is and i'm a bit of a uh, micromanager i would say i hate to be a micromanager because i hated micromanagers in my old profession yeah but this is the profession to be a micromanager because of every detail and there's so many details there's so many details and i think i think what i'm struggling with right now within this renovation is i am such a perfectionist where you know if the tile guy is putting in tile i want to be checking out every little inch of grout to make sure it's the exact same width you know i want to make sure that all of the moldings are perfectly put in and nothing is off-centered or nothing is uneven and i think from afar that's really something that my eye can't see via facetime or yeah. virtually so that's been a little bit of a struggle i would say but it's nothing that i can't manage at some point i i do want to get the business here up and running and then i think i'll be able to go back and forth a little bit more frequently i mean it's a five-hour flight so it's not far yeah okay no, it's, yeah, it's like five hours yeah so last question before we wrap up when you were going to london i mean you you networked a lot in new york in the united states based um net, um contacts and stuff so vendor wise when you went to London, I mean, I know a lot of my vendors don't ship overseas and they're maybe they're strictly U.S. So how hard was it figuring out new vendors and um, just su getting supplies and stuff to spec out for jobs in London? I'm still figuring it out. Okay. Um, and, and when I started in New York five years ago, I was kind of like fake it till you make it because I wasn't in the interior design industry. So... I was starting at ground zero and I didn't have vendors in New York. So it was kind of like, all right, where do I go for this? And I remember in the beginning, I was shopping at stores like 
West Elm and, you know, restoration hardware and not knowing that there was such a benefit to shopping and just trade only accounts where I would get that 60 to 70% discount and then be able to mark things up for my clients. And um, so that was sort of a fake until you make it period again, that, that first six months. And um, as you know, there's high point market, which is in North Carolina, which is the huge furniture trade show. And uh, um an interior designer friend of mine had said, like, I think you should probably go down there because you'll get to see all of these trade trade only vendors. So I went there um, and I found my slew of people that I started shopping from here. It's a little bit different. I mean, there's Salone. There's like all of these luxury trade shows that are happening. I'm actually going to one in two weeks in Paris. Um, but it's lining up your now in London, lining up my contractors. I've met with three so far. I feel like I'm interviewing them to understand what their process is. Um, I've met with several upholsterers because I feel like I need my person who, you know, can design furniture for me because I feel like throughout the pandemic, that's all I was doing because I couldn't get product from anywhere. I was designing my own stuff. Um, so I think how I've done it so far. So this is my new flat sitting behind me. And I think by decorating or starting to decorate this flat, I've met people along the way. So I've figured out some of the vendors I've done a I'm a huge vintage shopper. Okay. Um, so first dibs is still a huge resource for me, but now I have all of these insane vintage markets at my fingertips. I'm, you know, the incredible vintage market in Paris. It's two hours away now. I'll go there. I'll source a ton of pieces from there. Um, it's also where I get incredible inspiration from. Um, but in terms of just like my furniture vendors, I do shop a lot of vintage, so I don't feel like that's going to be a huge issue. I got this insane coffee table from, I ordered it from eBay. I mean, there's, the, you have to be a little bit, you know, um, and I, I'm finding like a ton of stuff from these mar these different markets, you know, and it's been so much fun doing it that way, instead of like going to a specific store where they have like a very specific aesthetic and finding like, oh, I'm going to pick this piece and that piece because I love it. It's like finding the diamond in the rough and the one of a kind piece that the clients will then say, oh my gosh, how lucky am I to have this piece that no one else has? That's the designer that I want to be and the designer that I think I am. Absolutely. Does London have organizations like they do in the U.S., like NKBA or ASID or IIDA? No, I don't think so. Okay. Because I'm going to say that'd be an easy like way to start building connections and stuff. But Yeah, I think, though, I, and I'm not part of any of those associations in New York either. And oh, okay. I think the reason why is because I am not a formally trained interior designer. You know, because I have this crazy career prior to me starting this business, I'm not formally trained. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a little bit of a stigma with someone coming in who doesn't have the Parsons degree or, you know, school of interior design degree and just, you know, getting all of these clients. So. Yeah. Unfortunately th there is that stigma. Um, I know I'm big part of NKBA and I know that is not a, the case. Like I have, there's members that are just people that just drop their, um, business and just created a business, not with a interior design background. Um, so, I mean, I think, cause it's strictly interior designers for kitchens and bathrooms. Got it. Um, so I think, I mean, that's probably the most open-minded organization I know of. Um, yeah. but I don't, I don't think they have anything overseas or anything. Oh, 
to look into that. I think I've been doing a really great job of just networking with some of the like big real estate brokers out here, which is how we got our first client. Um, and just, I, I talk to everyone. Yeah. Um, I have a, this is such a crazy story, but I have a meeting that I was shopping for a vac. I was shopping for a vacuum and like, think of like the, um, Best Buy of London. Right. Okay. And in crazy Christina fashion, I was literally trying out every vacuum in the store because I had ordered three or four vacuums here for the flat and none of them were working. I had to return them and I'm like, I'm just not dealing with this anymore. So I go to the, be the Best Buy of London, which is called Curry's, and I start chatting with the sales associate and he thinks I'm hysterical. I'm like moving the rug around the store and like trying to find dirt to pour on the rug to like see which one had the best suction. <laughs> and, I mean, I was crazy. And he's like, what do you do for a living that you're just so, you know, type A. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'm an interior designer. And I spent like an hour with this guy. And I said, I'm an interior designer and kind of got into what I do. And he said, well, my other job is I'm a project, uh, um, um, not a project manager, but um, a property manager for some of these beautiful homes nearby you in Kensington. And um, if you're an interior designer, I have several clients that might be interested in your services. Long story short, he has a client that's just about to buy a $20 million townhouse steps away from my flat. And we have a meeting next week. So I think that's just another testament to talking to everyone, being friendly to everyone. You never know who you're going to meet. Um, be excited, be passionate. Uh, you know, when he asked me what I did, I wasn't just like brushing him off. I really was excited to share that I'm an interior designer and I just moved to a new country. And, you know, I don't know what my next move is, but I know that it's going to be something incredible. And here we are. And I have a huge, huge new business meeting next week lined up because I befriended the sales associate who was selling me a vacuum. <laughs> so yeah, one thing I've learned um, from this episode and from you is networking is key and not just networking at business events, but like networking just in life. Oh my gosh. I hate a business event where there's <laughs> 20 interior designers or 20 new, I, I don't thrive in those scenarios. I mean, maybe I would thrive in the scenarios, but it just feels like cold, hard pitching as opposed to connecting. And I think I thrive off of connecting with people as opposed to selling myself. Mm -hmm. it becomes more of an organic conversation that you have I agree yeah it's it's a lot more personable yeah exactly yeah awesome well I want to thank you for coming on today um I want to yeah I want to finish off and just have you um promote where people could follow you on social media any website anything Sure. So you can follow me on Christina underscore Lomonaco and it's Christina with a K. Um, and then my website is www.christinalomonaco.com. Super Perfect. easy. My first and last name. Awesome. Well, Christina, thank you so much um, for hopping on and let's definitely stay connected. Yes, of course. Thank you.